けど Hello, all. Welcome to the Fantasy and Sci Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kuglal, and I have with me today a very special guest, Christopher G. Brenning. Christopher, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, anytime, anytime. So I'm sure you guys uh, know by now that I love Christopher's book, The Hellborn King. Uh, if you have not seen me on Twitter, you should really get there because uh, I share a lot of great books and authors like Christopher. Uh, Christopher, this is a question that somebody had asked me a long time ago uh, when I first started uh, the podcast, and everybody's really liked it since. So what has your writing journey been like up until this point? And uh, I know it's kind of a loaded question for some mm-hmm. people, but... Uh, for me, it's pretty straightforward. I started writing as a hobby back in 2003. Um, found uh, a site, uh, online writing community, uh, by complete accident, stumbled into it, fell in love with it, started writing, got involved with more groups of people. And uh, yeah, I did that until I did that actively until about 2012, kind of fell out of it for a little while. And then uh, actually what what in, inspired me to pick it up again was Game of Thrones coming to an end. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I've written, I've written just hundreds of thousands of words over the years and um, just have, have refined my style gradually. And I actually pretty much had to completely learn how to write all over again for writing in book format. Totally different from like the online RPG community stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's how I started out. Just just some rando guy on the Internet. Just just <laughs> putting words together. You know, you hear that, guys. There's hope for us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just, I've had a couple of conversations with you about that. So I just found it interesting, you know, when you and I had talked about those kinds of things and I don't know, it just, it seemed to me like you and I had had a, a similar background because I'm mm-hmm. probably going on 14 years now, probably like, I don't even know, 800, 900,000 words, something like that, just all random stuff. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was like, if somebody can get a great book like you and do that and come from a similar background, I was like, there's hope for some of us on the internet. So. <laughs> yeah, that starting is the easiest part. Finishing is the most difficult. Oh, amen to that. Amen mm-hmm. to that. I've been saying that constantly all last year. My wife, she's like, how's it going? I'm like, I'm just trying to finish this one draft. I'm like, I finally got a, you know, one draft finished. And now I'm like, okay, now I'll start the next draft. <laughs> it's a yep. very slow process, but yeah, finishing is definitely key. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's good advice. Uh, I'm really curious just to get right into the Hellborn King. Um, I'm curious, what tools or strategies did you use to create such real characters with such relatable problems? And I'm thinking in particular, you know, I don't even know. I, I think you could just pick any one of your characters. Um, Einar, you know, is a really mm-hmm. good example. Um, for those of you that haven't read The Hellborn King, um, I don't know. He's a very noble barbarian, I would describe him as. And he's my kind of guy. He's got a conscience. He's he's loyal. He's, you know, having to fill, fill a duty here with... Uh, you know, following um, the Hellborn King and with Damien Dreadfire. And I don't know, I just, but I feel like without saying any spoilers, I just think that, you know, you put him into some very interesting situations and I don't know, being a history teacher, I find myself really seeing him in a lot of different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just was curious with characters like that, like how, how'd you do this? How'd you create such great characters with such relatable problems? Um, well, half of the cast of characters I've already had since 2004. Oh, wow. Um, the, the Barbarians. So Damien Dreadfire, um, Einar, he had a different name at the time. Sylvia, like all those characters. So I already know them pretty intimately. Um, but what I wanted to do with each character, um, and, and, and really it's the overall theme of the book, it, it, it's, it's layers of conflict. 
So, so you have so you have the big conflict, which is the war. You have the, the you know the, the conflicts within the factions, and then you have the conflicts with the characters, where they're dealing with external conflicts, you know, like sibling rivalries, like with Gareth and Lucetta, and then their own inner struggles that they're dealing with. And sometimes what they're thinking is not what they're saying and doing. You know, they they have their own insecurities. And I just wanted to give every character an internal and external conflict. And so and I just decided, well, what's that conflict going to be? So with Einar, I, I was actually stuck because when the when the book started out, like all the barbarians were just trying to one-up each other to see who was the most brutal. But I was like, this is just cartoonish. Nobody's going to relate to it. So I was like, what if I had a guy who, you know, he he's fiercely loyal, you know, he's, he's Damien's greatest champion, but he does not agree with, with, with what he's seeing around him. And he's torn between loyalty and his principles. And I thought, man, that that's, that that's deep. And I can go a lot of directions with that. So I think for that character, I, I just picked the ball up and just ran with it from there. And you could see it pretty much from the first couple pages in his, chapter, yeah, yeah, yeah. his first chapter where he's just yeah. like, you know, like, like he's like, so this is what war is, you know, may the gods forgive me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, he, he met Damien. He's, he's sympathetic to what happened. You know, I won't get into any spoilers. He's just, he's just torn. And you see that conflict play out chapter after chapter and it just, it just grinds him down. And it's fascinating to watch somebody go through that. Yeah. And I try, I try to do that with each character. I had, I try to have characters start up at the top and slowly they get broken down and characters that start broken down and they start rebuilding themselves like uh, Charlotte and, and Gareth. So just, just layers. I just try to stack layers and layers and give everybody it, it, internal conflicts and external conflicts to, you know, cause that's, that's what we all have in real life. That's what we all have to deal with. Oh no, for sure. I, I, you know, and I had a buddy that um, just started your book the other day and he got done with chapter one. He was like, Holy crap. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like, but, you know, and he had uh, mentioned to me, you know, something about Einar that I hadn't noticed before. And he's like, really, it starts, he's like, his struggles really start right off the bat. And I mm-hmm. had thought back to it. I'm like, holy crap. You know, like I said, I want to do, a, you know, a spoilers, um, you know, review for you uh, for the book. Um, just because there's so much I want to talk about with people. I know there's been mm-hmm. quite a few people that have asked for it um, from Twitter and things. And, but I just, I he made a really good point. I'm like, I did not think of that, you know, and. I just thought that it was very interesting when I look back on him in particular. And yeah, I just, he's one of my, I think he's my favorite character in your book. Um, It's kind of hard for me to pick, I think, Mm -hmm. because I really do love Gareth. Uh, I really love what you did with Lucetta. Um, You know, I, I don't know, you know, most books you can pick, you know, here's my top character. I feel like yours was really difficult because as you're going through, you know, the book, like you said, there's different layers of, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, each character and, you know, as soon as somebody does something here, then you have another character that is going and excelling or, you know, trying to deal with demons or, you know, their problems and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their conflict. And I don't know, I just, by the end, I was just like, who's my favorite character? I'm not quite sure. And but, and one of the other things I wanted to do was um, like, especially with the battles, it starts from one side and then the next chapter, it ends from another perspective. So like, like if you're reading it from, from the barbarian side, you're thinking that, you know, the other side's the bad guys, but then when you start reading like a Gareth chapter or something, you're like, well, wait a minute, or a Madeline chapter, wait, the barbarians are probably the bad guys. So I want you to kind of pick and choose who the good guys are and who the bad guys are based on your own, your own interpretation of the book. And I think that personally, that worked really well because again, I was, I was going back and forth and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm on the, at first I was like, okay, like, you know, and I, I don't know if this was planned by you, but at first I was like, okay, 
like, you know, I was like, here's this empire, you know, I was like, and here these barbarians are coming in, destroying and killing people. And mm-hmm. I was like, they're definitely the bad guys. And then later on, you know, when you get more information, everything, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, the, you know, no, this empire, they're the bad guys. And I just kept going back and forth. And well, I mean, that's kind of how, how book, but <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how war is in real life. I mean, each it side really thinks is, they're the good guys. You know, really each side is. thinks they're the good guys. And, and, and every villain is the protagonist in their own story right no and and, and that's and that's what i tried to to put into the book as much as possible to really give it that sense of realism no i i think it i think it personally for me it totally worked like i said i'm a history teacher and Mm -hmm. i was just like man i was like this is exactly how you know i would and there's a, a another author that um the brothers gwen were talking about um totally gonna blank now and i feel so bad but it's the author of the lonesome dove series um and they talked about like you know especially like how you get both sides of the conflict mm-hmm. and i've just always really liked that type of concept and i just personally feel like a lot of people in fantasy don't do it very well uh so that was for me it was one thing that i really liked about yours was mm-hmm. again i got done with the book today and i'm like I still don't know who the good guys or bad guys yeah. are. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, each side is going to do stuff that, that 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 you agree with and disagree with, and it's only going to add to it. I mean, you're once book two rolls around, you're like, God. I mean, you're going to be like, I still don't know who who the good guys yeah. are, who the bad guys are. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I got to say, one of your tweets really, uh, really like got me thinking because you're like, you're like, oh, I really don't want to kill this character but I might have oh, yes, to. Yes. And I was like, Oh God. I was like, what's, what's going to happen. <laughs> so I was like, and I feel like you already made me very apprehensive um, based off of different things you had done throughout the book, because you know, you're like, it was almost like you did it game of Thrones style. Like I didn't know. And those last like 60 pages, I was like really worried that, you know, a character that I really liked was just going to die or, or mm-hmm. something was going to happen to them. I just felt like there was so much conflict that had to be, you know, resolved. And I wasn't sure, you know, when you were going to resolve it, if it was going to be in this book mm-hmm. and the next book. And I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. And no spoilers for this video, but you know, right. there were different things that you did that I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> like I was very surprised and I just didn't know what was going to happen next. And it really made me, you know, keep wanting to read so and, and there's a lot of foreshadowing to a lot yeah yeah you it's can very tell. subtle and sometimes it's only a sentence long but there's going to be things that pop up in books three and four that, that you're going to look back on and go oh wow that's from book one i remember that so yeah, yeah. I, I i planted a lot of little seeds in, oh that's in cool on a lot of them so. so this probably is a good time to mention to the audience that um you know your audible book just came out um, so I will be getting that, um, tonight to uh, listen to tomorrow. So I'm actually glad you really said that. Cause now when I'm listening to it, you know, the second time, you know, you always get more meaning and, you know, mm-hmm. and recognize deeper things. So I'll actually be on the lookout more for those things. So maybe, uh, maybe I can guess. And then later on when, it, you know, later on, we can go back to that episode. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and I, I also did that to, to start up some, some discussion and speculation yeah, and yeah. everything and get people talking about the book and, oh, man. you know, what they think is going to happen with, with certain characters. I've had friends of mine tell me some pretty interesting theories they have about characters where I'm like, that's totally not what I'm going to do, but I can see why you would think that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like Cobra Kai. Like I love that show and, you know, my buddies and I, we always like to speculate what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the next season. Um, so there's a couple of people on Twitter that I've been talking about book two with and stuff. So, 
I'm really anxious to get on those uh, those discussions with them. So I will be on the lookout in the audible version though for a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually, you kind of already mentioned it a little bit, but I've, and I know I've told you this before, I just really like how you have divided the chapters up. So for those in our audience, um, so Christopher in this book, The Hellborn King, he's divided up different chapters based off the perspective of different characters. And I feel like personally, I don't, I've read a lot of fantasy and sci-fi. I do not know anybody else that has done that, that I've read at least. Um, I really like that. How'd you come up with that idea in particular? Um, well, for one, I'm really bad with names. <laughs> so like, Welcome uh, to the I, club. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there struggling. Like, how, how am I going to think of, I don't even know how many chapters are in the book, like 40 or something. I don't know. But I was like, how am I going to come up with like all these unique names for chapters? Oh, and really? so naming that naming the chapter after the character I actually got from George R. R. Martin. Oh, okay. It's very simple because when you see the chapter, you know, like Tyrion, you already know who it is. You're already oh, you're already in cool. his head from the get go. So, yeah, like, yeah. you know, why, why don't I do that? Because I know a couple other authors have done that where yeah, the, yeah. The, the chapter name is the character. So I was like, I feel like that would work best for me. It's going to solve, you know, my my name problem for one and two. It, immediately, it's going to put you right in that character's head. So that's why I decided to go that route. Okay, and that mm-hmm. actually makes me more excited to read George R. R. Martin. Uh, my buddy and I are. As soon as we get done with Wheel of Time, uh, we're getting done with Malazan, Book of the Fall, and then Wheel of Time, and then we're actually going uh, for Game of Thrones. So that actually mm-hmm. makes me even more excited to read because I right. actually really like that, the perspective that, yeah, that it brings. And yeah, I had never seen that before. And I was like, it, it really, I felt like it really added to the reading experience for me. And it really just, you know, because I knew exactly what to expect mm-hmm. from the perspective of that character. And it almost like put me in that mindset um, you know, and got me prepared for the tone, the conflict and things like that. I think that it was, uh, you know, uh, I'm flipping around a, a chapter right now um, to the front of my book, and then I'm going to put the next one. So I got the heroes, the conflict right away, and then I'm going to do chapter three, the villain. But I just feel like that type of tone, you know, and promise needs to be set. And I feel like you did that with how you split up your chapters. Oh, thank and, you. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I just... And I hadn't seen it done like that before. And I was like, okay. And I was, uh, oh, I think I was talking to, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day. One of the people I was interviewing, oh, it was Miles Hurt. And Miles and I were joking. We're like, yeah, we're definitely going to have to steal that because that just like, <laughs> that worked really well. Cause I mm-hmm. had a friend years ago that talked about doing, uh, I want to do, so I want to do this paladin, uh, light paladin and dark paladin. And there's a lot of nuances and things that no one's ever done before that I've seen. Uh, but I thought about doing that type of thing beforehand. And I feel like you've convinced me and especially doing just two characters. Um, and then like the, there's like another person. So there's only three, but I, I like doing it from the thought of doing it from their perspective. And mm-hmm. I just hadn't seen anybody do it efficiently. So I, yeah, I mean, you could even do it. like the, the, the character's name and then, you know, like have, have an actual like name for the chapter. So yeah, or, or yeah. something like that, play around with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just liked Cause I wanted that type of thing where you get into that headspace right away and the reader gets into that you know, yeah. headspace and they're two very different characters. Uh, and I just, you know, I was trying to think of how to do it, but I don't know. I I'm surprised that I was only thinking like two characters, three max. I was just surprised that, you know, the, the level of characters you had did not suffer, um, you know, due to that. And I felt like it added to their characters and their chapters even more. So it definitely, yeah, it definitely, for me, like, 
really helped the pace a lot. Um, mm. And like I said, I've, I've had just so much go on. Like the fact that I got it done on Kindle at all, because I'm a paperback guy, as I'm looking at all my paperback books around yeah. here, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, you know, I just feel like, and coming back with work, it's just been nuts. And I've just had the craziest schedule. So for me to just pick right back up where I left off and feel like I didn't lose anything. I just think that it, you know, it really shows what your pace was like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was just really good. And I think a lot of that had to do with how you split up the chapters. So I personally really hope you, you know, you stick with that because I just think that your style and it matched very, very well. Oh, I plan on it. I'm already uh, about awesome. a third of the way done with the sequel. So, oh yeah. All right. Yep. That's awesome. Um, yeah, again, you already mentioned kind of a little bit, and we talked about this previously, uh, before we got started, but just for our audience. So how did you go about, I'm thinking of like, I don't know, I, it's, it's really hard for me when I think about this question. Uh, but how did you go about building such complex societies and social structures in book one? So this is book one. I feel like you did a lot in a little bit of time and I know mm -hmm. it's 40, you know, 40 chapters or whatever, but you know, you built personally for me with the, you know, um, this barbarian horde, but they, like you said, they have a, and from Madeline's perspective, especially, you know, later on where she, you know, meets them, I feel like you have a lot of, and Einar's perspective too, you have a lot of different clans, you have a lot of different tribes, you know, mm -hmm. they each have their own social structure and class mm -hmm. structure. And I don't know, I just feel like you did a lot on that side. And then, you know, in terms of the, um, you know, Gareth and his family, I mean, you just built two completely different societies and that really helped the conflict. But I was just curious how you went about both of those separately. The answer is very anticlimactic. Uh, I just kind of did it as I went. <laughs> I really didn't have any, any sort of game plan. Um, I went from concept to completion in a year. Um, so I, it was pretty much just figuring out as I went, I, I just started writing and I, I can't even tell you how many times I threw out entire chapters, just, you know, this is not going where I want it to. Um, but, you know, like I'd mentioned earlier about, about the levels of conflict, I knew um, early on, like from the barbarian side, like I, I didn't want all the tribes to agree. I wanted it to be kind of a patchwork alliance where there, there's, there's a lot of uh, visible tension and conflict right on the surface. Um, so that automatically, you know, gets you invested in, oh, well, what's going to happen if things go south? And then, um, from, from the Batanthian side, um, I, I don't want to say I kind of wanted to do just a stereotypical kingdom. Um, but, uh, again, I wanted to break it down into layers. So like you have, you, you have, uh, the Bethards, the ruling family, and then you have, um, their commandants, which are their main Lords. You know, there's, there's one in, you know, North, South, East, West. And, you know, within them, then you have all the, all the lordlings and everything. So I, I just wanted layers and you can kind of see in Gareth's, in one of Gareth's chapters towards the end, you can kind of see conflict breaking out where there's a potential conspiracy brewing. So for, for me, the more layers, the more opportunities, the less chance of it getting stale, the less chance of the reader guessing what's going to happen. So uh, that's pretty much just how I built it was, was make it, make it as complex as you can without, without getting, you know, without writing yourself into a corner. And so I, I just, I, I just went and just kept writing and writing and what, what worked I kept and what didn't just threw it out. So. I just feel like personally, I was discussing this with somebody the other day who had read your book and I just personally feel like you like, okay. So, you know, you have the one side, they're very, 
civilized, you know, they're very what European, I guess you could say, um, very typical, you know, fantasy, um, classical fantasy kingdom. But mm -hmm. I feel like it worked for me so well because you showed the negative sides of that culture mm -hmm. and you showed their flaws rather yes. than their strengths. And I feel like instead of saying here, I didn't think you were saying like, here is the strong nation that can take on anything. I felt like you, it was almost like ancient Rome towards the end of its fall. And to me, it opened up like a whole new line of questions and, you know, anticipation. And mm -hmm. then to see it, you know, matched with the other side, um, you know, of guys like Einar, uh, you know, and the different clans and tribes and that loose alliance. Um, yeah, it was just very interesting. And I liked how you had the different history uh, between the two groups too. Mm -hmm. And without going into spoilers, guys, I just have to say like, you're just going to have to read the book. I mean, there, it is a classical kingdom, I feel like or empire, but you just do so many different things with it that to me, it's new mm -hmm. um, and it's unique. And I feel like that's really hard to do with the type of, you know, like as soon as I read chapter one and then two, I was just like, okay, this is going to be different. And mm -hmm. it wasn't your typical, you know, Roman versus Germania type of novel, you know, like mm -hmm. that kind of fantasy yeah. setting kind of thing. Um, and that's what I really liked about it. And yeah, I, I think you played the conflicts perfectly between the two cultures. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess I even feel silly saying two cultures because, you know, <laughs> you have even, uh, you know, within the empire, you have these different cultures, you know, and um, mm -hmm. coming about. And I was really happy to hear too of, some of the different other countries and regions that you had brought up. Uh, so that to me added more of the world building without shoving it in your face. It was more subtle. Mm -hmm. uh, I really liked that. It would kind of just felt like, particularly when you did it in the book, it felt like you opened up a gate, you know, like you're like, okay, you got to this point in the book. Now we're going to open up a little bit more and, you know, kind of reward you a little bit for the world building. Um, right. Yeah. But it, it was really good. Yeah, like um, like when we talked about before uh, before we went live here, um, I, I have a slightly different approach to world building where I don't just hammer you in the face with pages of exposition right off the bat. I pretty much just like to set the board. You know, here here's where you're at. You know, you're in uh, you're in the forest, and here's who's there, and here's what you're seeing and smelling, and then go. And then the scene just starts playing, and the characters start doing their thing, and then I weave the world building and more of what's going on around into, in, into the dialogue in between what the characters are doing. So like, you're not having to sit there and just slog through paragraph after, you know, page after page or whatever of just, you know, exposition. It really, like really what I want to do because I'm kind of scatterbrained and I have a, I have a hard time uh, focusing like with reading. So I just wanted to write something that, you know, all right, here's where you're at, go. And it, it just takes off, you know, very easy to follow the, you know, fast paced, and, and it is constantly engaging you too. So I think that's a great way to put it is the book's constantly engaging. Um, yeah. You know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get through this person's chapter. And for instance, we were on a bus a couple of weeks ago and coming back from a outdoor festival. And I was like, I'm gonna get through this chapter. And then I blew through it. I'm like, okay, I'll get through this chapter and I'll do some work. And then, you know, I got through probably like, you know, 15, 20 chapters. And I was like, holy moly, <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> and, it, you know, I was all of a sudden I had this huge dent in the book, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely engaging. And I just want you guys to know with Chris's style that, you know, like, now we had talked before we started recording, um, 
you know, there are, I'm going to, I'll say now, since we're recording certain authors that I feel like everybody wants to be like now, uh, when it comes to dialogue. And there's two that I'm thinking, um, one in Epic Fantasy and one in Grimdark. So you guys can take your pick. And now it's not, it's, they used to be all exposition, right? Well, now we're all dialogue. And I really like yours because like we talked about before we started recording, you're in between, you give a little bit of exposition and then there's the dialogue. And then you give a little, maybe a more dialogue than a little exposition. There's not too much of either one. It's right down the middle. I felt like it helped the pace. It helped the chapters. Uh, I didn't feel like I was being taught anything, but I learned a lot in the process. And I think that's really key for world building. And like I said, I'm struggling with that a bit. So it was nice to see somebody do it in a way that I like to read, which also to me, you know, helps with a model for writing, you Mm -hmm. know, and then finding my own style. So I definitely just wanted to point that out for the audience, because I think there's a lot of people like me who are like, we don't want all this exposition, but we also don't want all this dialogue. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I think more people should write like that and, you know, try and go in between. Yeah. I I, I try to walk that very fine line between being too descriptive and not descriptive enough. And that's probably the number one piece of feedback I get from people. Like I have friends that that don't even read fiction at all. And I've had them read the book and they're like, you know, normally I wouldn't read something like this, but you know, it, it, just when I thought you were going overboard with the description and, and, you know, everything that's going on, you, you'd move on. And, 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 you know, like my friend doesn't fiction. He's like, that's why I liked it so much. Cause right when I thought, Oh boy, you know, this is going to start slogging on. Nope. It just, it shifts gears and it keeps, it keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just my style. I don't know how, I don't know how it happened. I didn't really try to do it that way. It's just, <laughs> it's just how it came out. Don't change. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't plan on changing. It's like you and uh, Rob Hayes uh, with his never die. Definitely two of my favorite books within the last, I don't even know how long. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed the the writing style. I enjoyed the pace. I really enjoyed your, both of your characters um, that's what my friend the other day, he's like, what would you liken it to if you can't do Grim Dark? He goes, what would you liken it to, like, who I've read recently? And he just got done with Never Die. And I'm like, Rob J. Hayes, Never Die. I'm like, it's in between these things. I said, you know, there's not a lot of exposition. There's also not a lot of dialogue dump, as we like to call it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay. So I think he's about halfway done now. So nice. he goes, he told me, he goes, you can't do the spoilers review until <laughs> I finish. Because he, yeah. I, I, he goes, I'm going to want to do something with it. And uh, I think he's afraid that he's going to watch part of it and then it spoils. So I'm like, well, I'll wait till you're done. Then <laughs> mm-hmm. we won't have to worry about it. But um, this last one here uh, is really just about the book. And then I have a couple, just two personal questions for you. Uh, so what has been the hardest part when it comes to marketing this novel? Uh, what hasn't been difficult? Uh, there I mean, we go. <laughs> That's yeah, an honest I mean, answer. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have, I don't have an agent. I, I, I'm self-published. Um, you know, my, my marketing budget is limited, limited to my, you know, what my disposable income is. <laughs> so, uh, basically I've just been doing world word of mouth from, from Twitter and, and that's how I'm starting to build my, uh, my, my following, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Mike, um, at music books, NFL. On oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's, he, he's a super fan. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Um, but yeah, uh, basically just word of mouth. Um, I've been doing um, some book signing events locally, um, just to get engaged with people, uh, a lot of success with that, but oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, ground pounding 
you know, just getting, getting the word out one person at a time, one book at a time. So, I mean, um, I did want to originally go traditional. Um, I tried for about eight months to get an agent, uh, over 50 rejections. I couldn't even get one agent to give me the time of day. So I was actually ready to quit in January of this year. Like oh, I had the, I had the book finished and, and, and I got super depressed cause I, I just could not get an agent. So I, I, I shelved it for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I worked too hard on this. I'm, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to, you know, so I contacted an artist in a formatter and within the span of two weeks, I had a physical copy in my hands from Amazon and just holding that book. I was like, this is the path I'm meant to go. I'm, I'm meant to do this on my own. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's not easy. Um, the, the expenses have been, uh, numerous doing this, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, we're really glad that you didn't quit <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I was just talking to on um, uh, Kelly McCall about this earlier today, had a friend that, um, you know, wrote a book like you did and then, you know, uh, decided that it was too hard to query and things and was mm -hmm. doing it and ended up uh, deleting the book. Um, oh. And I felt like, you know, I just felt like, and this is what Kelly had said. Kelly had tabled um, the original book for the first Fallen Blade, mm -hmm. and R.L. Kingslayer is one of my favorite characters of all time now. And I and he said he goes, I tabled it, wrote some other stuff, and then you know this agent, uh, his agent uh, at the time wanted you know something like his first, uh, um, it's like Assassin's Apprentice is what he called it, mm -hmm. um, his first Kingslayer book, and. He decided that he was going to redo the world building, this, this, and that. And I said to him this morning, I was like, I'm so glad that you did not do what my friend did because I needed that book when I read it, especially. I was really struggling with writing and I was struggling with, um, oh, fantasy a bit. And that one propelled me. And, you know, I just, I can't imagine just deleting a book. You know, I can imagine yeah. shelving and coming later, but. Yeah. And I, you know, and then it's funny that you say that because that'd be two books that, you know, really um, helped me get through really tough writing times in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, so really glad you didn't quit. <laughs> really glad you're going. Yeah, and, I, and I even tried writing something else too. And just saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe this will see the light of day. Maybe it won't. And I tried writing other stuff completely. The Hellborn King, that's, just something in me said, that's the book you need to put out now. Is it perfect? No. I mean, like, you know, a few typos slip past me. You know, one of the perks about being self-published is that I can, I can sneakily go back in and correct them without anybody noticing. But, you know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a perfect book. It, it's not. It's a debut. Um, I, I thought I did a, a pretty decent job at it. You are going to notice a big difference in book two in the writing quality. I'm a very fast learner. So, in, you know, my style is not changing, but you're like, when you read, the first two chat, the first couple chapters in the book, you're gonna be like, "Whoa, this is like next level stuff." So, I don't know, just something in me said, "Man, this is this is the book you need to put out, and you need to do it now, and just you know, just run with it." And that's what I've been doing all year long. And I do want to say for our audience, regardless of what Christopher is saying, this book does not read like a debut novel. Oh, thank um, you. I just I have to say that I like Michael R. Fletcher talks a lot about debut. Uh, novels on the Wizards Words and Words uh, podcast that they run uh, with the other guys, and it, you know, he's always like, "I hate those people," you know, who write a debut novel, and you know, it's it's amazing. And I was like, "Oh, here's Christopher with his debut novel," <laughs> like, you know. But you know, I like I said before we started recording, though, uh, you know, 
I feel like reading your book, you know, The Hellborn King really has made me feel like, you know what? I can actually produce a book one. It'll be a lot of work, but I can actually produce a book one that people actually want to read because mm-hmm. Chris, Christopher's done it. And I liken it to Les Brown, uh, his uh, motivational speaker from like the 80s and 90s. And I love him. And he talks about um, the, oh, I'm going to, Roger Bannister writes the first one to break the four minute barrier for the mile. And, you know, he talks about in his speech, like how once you've known it could be done, you can do it too. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, I've talked to some other writers that are in my boat who haven't quite, you know, gotten there yet, but we're getting there. And, you know, they have also read your book and they feel the same way that I do that, you know, that this can be done. Uh, An author who has not written a lot of books, but has written a lot, you know, can really focus. And if they really focus all their time, attention and love, they can actually come out with a really good debut novel. So absolutely. I just want you to know that, you know, you've given a a lot of people in the, uh, you know, the writing community, a lot of hope with their debut novel. So (laughs) that that means the world to me. So, so thank you. And and thank everybody out there for, for, for believing in this, this crazy idea that I came up with and just, you know, I, uh, I can't believe here I am. You know, I, I, I have a physical book. I have an ebook. I have an audio book. I have all these things. And I never, I never thought it was going to happen. Never, ever thought it was going to happen. And, you know, I, I owe it, I owe it to you. I owe it to everybody else out there. That's been, that's been spreading the word about it. Um, you know, the, the reception that I've received so far is, is really what helps keep me going. Cause there's days when I get so discouraged, I, I don't want to write. I'm just like, Oh, you know, I'm just wasting my time and my money you know, on this, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's just all the love that I've been getting from, from the indie community. You know I mean? We're all, we're all small fries, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but what, what I, what I like about this indie, indie book uh, uh, culture, you can call it is, is that we're all building each other up. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. All, we all have small platforms, but we're all, you know, we're all helping each other. We're all building each other up and, you know, I love it. I love being a part of it. Yeah. And that's where I had, you know, I had talked to um, somebody last, Oh, I was talking to Steve McHugh and, you know, he's like, well, man, you share Christopher's book a lot. I said, don't worry, I'll share the black coat book that um, that he just put out. And I've been trying to as much as possible. But I said, usually I share what I'm reading. Um, but, you know, it's like I said to him, I said, well, I did tell Christopher, you know, when he messaged me on Twitter, I said it is, you know, altruistic, but it is also selfish because I really need you to sell more of this book so you can get me, you know, at least three more, four more. Uh, so (laughs) you know I told him I was like I you know really the people I like to read and like their books I'm like I want them to be successful so that they keep writing I said otherwise who who am I going to read you know (laughs) but you know yeah it's it's I definitely agree with you though uh we uh me and Mallory Kuhn talked a couple weekends ago about there was a I don't know if you saw I shared but um there was some poll that somebody shared that was like do you think those in the indie community are enemies or allies and her and I were like what, what are you talking about enemies like no, I I like, see that, but they, yeah, yeah it doesn't make any I, sense to me i'm like i don't see your book or any of your success you know and i wish you all of it i don't see any of it as deterring from mine at all and like i said earlier her and i talked about in our first interview uh that her and i had uh, that we're about to post soon about you know we feel like we ride everybody rises together you know mm-hmm. and it's it was such a, a weird question and yeah concept and we know some people do feel that way but i feel like those people don't last very long in this community um Mm -hmm. which i I think is kind of a good thing you know because we want everybody to you know to help each other out but yeah it was it was very interesting but 
Uh, just these last two questions here. All right. So this is kind of hard for people if uh, they didn't know I was going to ask, but we've had some great suggestions. Uh, what are some different authors or book suggestions that you have for our audience? This has been a favorite of some people. Oh, so I'm going to completely blindside you by this. Um, I'm actually not much of a book reader. Oh, okay. Believe it or not, I um, I had not picked up a, a book in general, especially a fantasy book until I was about halfway done writing mine. Oh, wow. Because I wanted to see how the pros did it. So I, yeah, bought, yeah, yeah. I bought Name of the Wind, Way of Kings, uh, Game of Thrones, um, you know, uh, um, the blade itself. I bought a bunch of books and just kind of studying how they how how they formatted how how they you know um, how they did it on a technical level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I've actually never really liked reading books. I've always been more of a writer and I've always been a movie guy because I'm a much more visual. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I've been super into audiobooks, so I've listened to Song of Ice and Fire on audiobook, Joe Abercrombie stuff. Um, I'm currently finishing up the Sandman, which is oh, it's amazing. Oh, man. Yeah. I love it. Uh, dude, Act two, is, Act two is great. Love it. Um, so yeah, um, I, I would definitely recommend, um, I would definitely recommend the Sandman. Like I wasn't familiar oh, yeah. with the lore or anything of that, of, of that nature. I just jumped in and started listening to it. I, I listened to the first one like 10 times and, and just got more and more familiar, familiar with what was going on. So Sam Ann would be my number one recommendation. That's a great one. I didn't even think uh, of that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And then, um, you know, the biggest, the, I'd say the biggest influence for me would be uh, Game of Thrones. Because um, like when I was watching the series and it ended, granted, I wasn't satisfied with how it ended. And that's a, yeah, yeah. a whole other discussion for another time. Oh, but, we could do a two hour podcast. Oh, yeah. Long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but like when it ended, I was like, okay, well, now what? Because there, because there's never going to be like a cultural phenomenon like this again. Yeah, I mean, Granite yeah. House of the Dragons coming up, but I don't think it's going to have the same yeah, impact. No, no. But you know, but I was like, you know, you only get one Matrix, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, you know, I I kind of want to do something like that myself and, and see if I could, you know, be successful with it. So so that's that's what really inspired me to do it. So as far as recommendations, I'd say Song of Ice and Fire and Sandman are my my top two. Oh, man. So for those of you in the audience, uh, like, you know, like Christopher saying Sandman, like I, my buddy and I, I think I got through the first four. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. We were studying them for a philosophy class, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you were saying, the mythology, you know, the mythology, the mythos, the breakdown of the philosophical conundrums. I mean, there's just, there's just so much there. And that's, I'm actually glad you said that, actually, because my buddy and I were talking about going through and book clubbing um, the graphic novels, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. If you guys haven't checked them out yet, you got to check them out. And they're actually doing a, a TV series now for that. And I'm actually yeah. really, really interested in that one. And I, th- I think it's also good that you bring it up though, because I just feel like some people think that you have to read all these fantasy books or, you know, or the curriculum as mm-hmm. a couple people and I call it. And I, I really don't think that's true. And, you know, there are, I think you make a really good point. There are a lot of TV shows and visual components. Like I love looking at fantasy art and I can write about, I used to take a piece of art and let RPG just write all day, you know, about that character, that scene or whatever I was thinking. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of people, you know, think that I don't read, so I can't write. And I really don't think that's the case. Not true at all. Yeah. I mean, look at your book, you know, I mean, you haven't read the, you know, you read some, right, but not the curriculum, so to speak. Right. Well, I mean, I did, I did do a lot of research on like, uh, common tropes and fantasy and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so I did a little bit of research going into this, but I, I no, I have not read stacks of books. I've, I've barely read anything in, in my life and here I am putting out books. So 
if, if anything in my book reminds you of something another author did, it's purely unintentional. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what any of these other authors are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's funny that yeah. he said that because uh, Dirk Ashton was just talking about that. And I know he's talked about it before on their podcast uh, and with Mike, uh, Michael R. Fletcher, Jed Hearn, and Rob J. Hayes. And it's funny because he um, people said he was a lot like Neil Gaiman. And mm-hmm. he was like, they're like American gods. He's like, I've never read American gods. And he went in, he was like, Oh, these things are similar. He almost had like the same exact wording uh, for different powers and things. So he had mm-hmm. to go read some of that just to change it, just to make it, you know, make it right, appear. Right, but yeah. it was funny, you know, because I just think it's funny that you mentioned that because I do think, you know, a good idea is a good idea. So yeah. you know, at the end of the day, so like I always want to do instead of do my series called Legends of Uma, I wanted to just call it Untold Legends. Um, but then there was a video game called Untold Legends, and mm-hmm. now they've like they're a broken up company. It's a mess. I tried trying to find the rights and stuff. And it, my lawyer yeah. said it'd just be a pain. So I actually came up with a whole new name, but which I like more now, but yeah, at the time I was like, wow, I was like, it's crazy to think of how many people come up with the same thing. But my friend goes, well, there's a lot of words in the English language, but at the same time, yes. there's only so many words in the English yeah, language. Exactly. <laughs> and, and like, whenever I come up with a name for something, you know, like a, a clan or whatever, I always yeah, yeah. Google search it and I yeah, see yeah, if there's yeah. something similar. And if there is, it's just like, ah, <laughs> you know, so then I guess throw it out and f- try to find something else. So yeah, yeah. I, I try to be as original as I can, but like you said, there, there, there's only, only so many words. There's only so many combinations and, you know, uh, kind of like music, everything, every, everything's already been done already. So it's yeah, yeah. very hard to, to be unique. And in fact, I, I had one friend tell me, he's like, yeah, you know, maybe this sort of story has been told before, but not the way you're telling it. Yeah, the way yeah. you tell it is, is, is going to be different. Well, and I think you, you hit the nail right on the head there. And um, I do want to mention like, um, like Jed Hearn was talking about this in their podcast recently, I think, and I think it was him that said it and he made a good point or it was Rev J. Hayes. They said, people talked like, think of like, you know, Jesus or Luke Skywalker or King Arthur, you know, he's like, people sat around campfires for thousands of years and told the same exact stories, but in a different way. Yep. And people keep wanting those types of stories. So mm-hmm. I think your friend makes a really good point. And I think a lot of people really need to hear that, you know, is you think that, you know, like I, there's an exercise I want to try where um, we actually, for one podcast where Mark, Timmy and I take ideas that people respond with um, through social media, give us the same story, mm-hmm. you know, and then we try to write like a thousand word story. With the nice, same components, yeah. you know, just to see that, you know, what, what the differences are, you know, and even do like the same characters, but don't talk about motivations and everything. And I guarantee mm-hmm. it will come up with a completely different story, even having the same format and everything, Oh yeah, you know, and, oh, yeah. or, you know, the structure for characters and stuff. But yeah, I think it'll be a, an interesting experiment to say the mm-hmm. least, but yeah, I think you make, you know, you and your friend make a really good point there. Uh, so for this last one, obviously, you know, you want to promote, uh, the audible version of the Hellborn King. Uh, the book is sitting right there and it just looks so good. Uh, I know somebody asked me uh, <laughs> the other day, they said, or yesterday they said, Oh, you got done with it. Are you going to get a physical copy? I said, if you don't know by now, I'm getting a physical copy of that book. I said, we shouldn't be friends, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you, you don't know me at all, but yeah, that's uh, one heck of a book you have there. Um, I really enjoy it. I'm really, you know, looking forward to the audible um tomorrow i'm i I, you you know you know for sure on twitter i'll be cataloging my audible experience (laughs) as i go so i'll be retweeting Uh, every one of them so yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, anything else that you have currently or any deals or anything like that um amazon store anything like that 
Uh, yeah, I'm on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, uh, Google. You, you can uh, download the the ebook there. Uh, Audible, obviously. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and my website that looks like a 2005 MySpace page. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> ChristopherGBreading.com. Yeah, I'm 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 not good at building websites. I might just hire somebody to do it. But yeah, yeah that that's where you can find me. So. Perfect. Well, like I said earlier, Christopher, we'll, uh, we'll be putting those in the description for you. Um, and then we'll be sharing those around the next couple of uh, weeks that when this video pops out, I'm hoping to have the new calendar set um, actually this week. Once my coaching season is done, mm-hmm. uh, we were filming out a little bit in advance here, guys. But by the time you'll see this, uh, hopefully you guys have already looked at my Twitter or the Facebook page or my website uh, and picked up uh, either a physical copy or Amazon copy or an audible copy of the Hellborn King. Uh, me and Christopher want to thank you guys for tuning in to the fantasy and sci-fi fanatics podcast. Uh, you can find this video and our other videos on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And actually the audio on Spotify will be up there by the time you guys uh, see this, uh, feel free to reach out to us at scholars of UMA. That's U M a at gmail.com. Let us know who you'd like to see on future podcasts. Any questions you have for those guests, uh, any topics you want us to go over, uh, feel free to send us videos and pictures that are fantasy and sci-fi related. We'll show those on our social media. Uh, Christopher, want to thank you again, you know, for, you know, talking to me so much on Twitter and coming today. Uh, obviously, you know, the invitation's always open if you ever want to come back and, you know, discuss the Hellborn King more or any uh, you know, other ideas or, you know, especially once you go, you know, get book two done uh, and ready to po- you know promote that. We'd love to help you out as much as possible. Um, love the book, obviously. So, going to be sharing this, uh, you know, as many times as I can that way, you know, people go and buy your book and that way I get book two, three, and four. So. All right. Uh, thanks for having me. I had a great time and, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you know right now, look for the cover art for book two, uh, after the new year. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm going to be putting that on my Google calendar right after we get done, actually. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm about 95% set on a name, but I, I, I need to let it marinate a little bit more. But when I do come up with it, you're going to be the first to know. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really exciting. <laughs> that's kind of the, the lull in the year too, I feel like for me, uh, for school and stuff. So I always like things like that. And I'm, I'm not a winner guy. So <laughs> that actually helps me out a lot. So that's going to be really exciting. All right, Chris. I'll, I'll come back whenever you want. So perfect, perfect. Well, as soon as I get my uh, updated calendar, we'll uh, get something on the books for sure uh, for good. the winter or spring. Excellent. Well, Christopher, obviously, I'll see you later. I'll talk to you on Twitter. I'm sure a little bit later or tomorrow, mm-hmm. and hope you have a good rest of the evening. And I will talk to you soon, my friend. Hope you have a good rest of the night. Yep. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye.